Welcome to Life on Earth, The Peace Project, a podcast that teaches you how to connect with the divine and transform darkness into light through topics from yoga to nature and ultimately love. Join your host, Natalie Kwa, to celebrate and encourage diversity, peace and global equality, one earthling at a time. Hi, hi, everyone. Welcome to Life on Earth podcast. I am your host, Natalie Kra. I am recording this intro from this magnificent, beautiful spot nearby my house. I'm on the lake. Actually, I'm on the river and it's just, yeah, I can take a picture and show you where I am. It's, um, I'll post it on my Insta story, but it's just such a beautiful spot in this river. And I just, uh, can you hear the sound of the birds? Let me see if you can hear. It's been a beautiful day in Louisiana. So today I'm here with you with a ultra special guest, uh, Kristen Ritter. She is the author of Spiraling to Wellness Layer 1 and Spiraling to Wellness Layer 2. She is also the founder of Nourishing Storm Studio and Cafe in Pennsylvania. A few months ago, not long ago, we were very lucky to have Kristen contribute to our uh, Shanti Yoga training school, teacher training programs. She actually came down to New Orleans to the south and uh, did a very interesting and wonderful presentation at, for the training school. So I'm going to share with you. I hope you really enjoy. I also recommend you check Kristen's books out, Spiraling to Wellness. I am very honored that I have a meditation, which I wrote for the book. This is on Spiraling to Wellness, Layer 2, page 70, called Awareness. So this is a healing technique. Um, Kristen begins this by saying persistence takes energy and a lot of it. But how do we gather and maintain this energy? So one of our answers to this question is through awareness. This is a healing technique and a guided meditation which I bring you through many layers of your being so that you can connect with sound, with life, with planet Earth. We bring you all the way into your favorite place on Earth. And I hope that you'll get something out of it. So as a bonus to this episode, I have recorded this meditation, this guided meditation, which is in Kristen's second book. And I will include a link to the meditation under our show notes. And if you go to nataliecra.com, click on work with me, and then you will see a page named bonus. And if you look under the bonus, you will find the clearing awareness meditation right there as a gift for you. And I'll also include it on show notes. So guys, thank you so much. If you like the show, thank you for all of your support. Please go on iTunes, go on Apple Podcasts and all the Uh, favorite podcast platforms that you like and rate subscribe to the show on apple Podcasts. give me a five-star review is so appreciated have you gotten my book living life in light if you haven't i will include the link under show notes but if you go to livinglifeinlight.com you can read about the book and you can also purchase the book Um, I would love if you go on Amazon and give me a review for Living Life in Light. Take a picture of that review. And I do have this really cool gift if you send me the screenshot of a chakra healing, clearing, balancing meditation that I have recorded for you. And so I can send you the audio and you can do it on your own. Listen to it and you'll feel very clear. I did it myself last night. And I actually fell asleep to it, but it was a really good sleep and I had awesome dreams. So uh, that's that for now. Uh, What else that's happening? Go to ShantiYogaTrainingSchool.com and you will see the trainings that I have coming up. Uh, If you want to participate in one of my workshops, that that will be on the website, NatalieCrowd.com. If you have any questions, suggestions, Natalie at LifeOnEarthPodcast.com. Without further ado, this is Kristen Ritter. Enjoy the show, and I'll see you soon.
Hi, Kristen. Welcome to Life on Earth podcast. Hi, and uh, we're here with our amazing fellow yogis in our uh, Shanti Yoga training school with our workshop, uh, Transforming Obstacles with Miss Kristen Ritter. Thank Hi. you for being here. <laughs> Thanks for having me. All right. So, yes, we are going to dive into transforming obstacles. And um, I'm sure all of us listening in and here can say that there may be an obstacle or two on their mind. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, obstacles is part of life, and um, but this, uh, this beautiful ability that we have to transform them is, is really what we're going to be talking about today. So I want to start with just talking about my story and just give you a little context of where I'm coming from. So I found yoga about 17 years ago, and I will never forget that day because I was living out west and um, was married to a sailor, so we were living on Whibby Island, and he was away a lot, as sailors are, and so I thought I should probably go find a hobby or something. <laughs> and um, always loved working out. It was always a big part of my life, but um, I decided to join a yoga class. And when I walked out after yoga, I remember kind of checking in and thinking, I've never felt that peaceful in my entire life, ever. And I thought, what is this? And uh, I was also watching other people walk out, and everyone was just kind of in this really zen, beautiful state. So I decided not to get in the car and drive because I just was really um, just feeling really good. And uh, so I, I was just walking around by the water and just taking it all in. Um, but it's just memorable, and I want to share that because there was definitely a defining moment. There was a shift that happened within when that happened. So I started just taking as many classes as I could and studying and just immersing myself as much as possible. And one day, one of my teachers came up to me and said, so when are you going to teach for me? And I thought she was funny. I, was, I had never thought about it before. And, but obviously she planted a seed. And as luck would have it, months later, there was AFA Group Fitness coming into the Navy base to train teachers. So I thought, why not? So I dove in and I became a teacher. What I found was, in terms of continuing education, everything that I ever wanted to study, going forward in any sense of fitness, always ended up being yoga. I was taking workshops in Seattle with uh, Shiva Ray and Anna Forrest and just anything I could get my hands on. Um, and when I was finishing up my bachelor's degree, again, kind of this is the universe aligning, um, the teacher on the base was opening up her own you know, gym outside and she needed help to do it. So I had an opportunity, amazing opportunity for five years to help her run her studio, to start a juice bar, to teach yoga full time. And um, it just was a, was a really beautiful opportunity. After five years, we had to move back to the East um, as, as my husband at the time was getting out of the Navy. And uh, I thought, okay, I'll get a real job. And I had a degree in marketing, so I tried to put the business suit on and <laughs> it didn't last very long. Uh, I just, my heart was so connected to doing, doing the yoga thing. Um, but then seven years after, you know, at some point in the middle, uh, after I started having my children, um, and knowing that I needed to get back to yoga, my heart was just calling me there. I did my 200 hour and uh, I did it for six weeks straight. So every day I went in and, and studied and I felt really more and more in love with the practice than ever. But what was really interesting about that time period was that I, there was nothing that I was really calling. Like there wasn't really a studio that was resonating and there wasn't, you know, I, I had all this energy and I just had no idea what to do with it. So I sat with it for a little bit and, um, what happened was there was, uh, I live in Pennsylvania, and there was a, a martial arts studio in Hapro. And my friend said, hey, you should, go, you should go to Jay's studio. He's looking for yoga teachers. And I thought, okay, we'll just go check it out. So I walk in, and we meet, and we're having a conversation about it. And he said, so what do you think? Do you want to teach here? And I said, well, if I'm going to teach here, I have a pretty long list of what needs to happen if I am. And he said, oh, like what? And I said, well, you know, the floors and the walls and we need equipment and I need a schedule. Like, you know, my mind just went into creating this whole business out of nowhere, really, because I didn't. Um, and he actually said yes. He said, yeah, let's do it. So for two years, he helped me build pretty much my business, which is Nourishing Storm, um, in that space. I called the company Nourishing Storm because I was always um, pretty obsessed with storms, you know, the energy that kind of 
before and after. There's just a transforming factor of storms. And, um, you know, when I worked at coffee shops, did ever anybody see, like, when you pour cream into coffee and it creates this, like, spiral? So that was kind of the guiding image of the storm. So I always knew the coffee shop was going to come at some point. Um, but I was, yoga was my world, so it was nourishing storm. And also every time me and my friend Megan, who created this beautiful brand for me, every time we got together, it stormed. Always. Anytime anything powerful happens in terms of uh, the business, it storms. So that was kind of cool. Um, so I started nourishing storm a few years um, into it. As luck would have it, there was a space across the street, so then we could have our own studio space and uh, really started building an amazing community there. People, there wasn't really anything healthy in town. That was the thing. Everyone kept saying to me, this was my first real obstacle because everything to this point really flowed with yoga. My big obstacle was I had a vision for what I wanted to create and everyone around me seemed to say it wasn't going to work. But in my heart, I knew it was going to work. I had a vision for it. So um, I was really confident in creating the studio space. Um, but then what started to happen was there was a space right next door to me. And I started to have a vision for cafe doors, you know, these French doors opening out to a cafe. Just every day I would see it. And so a woman that was running the space came to me one day and said, I, uh, I'm not going to renew my lease. I just want to let you know that. And, you know, I, I obviously felt really bad about that, but she, she felt good about leaving. And I said, do you mind if I call the owner and see if I could put a cafe in there? And she said, yeah, go for it. So I get the owner right on the phone. I said, what do you think if I knock down some walls and build a cafe? So he said, yeah, sure, if you can get the permits, go for it. Um, so, you know, the cafe made a lot of sense because what I do for a living is I, I go around the country and I help open juice bars. But I found I was always away. I was always doing this in other communities. So I really wanted to build that in my own community. And um, I thought these cafe doors, why they were so significant to me was, you know, when I talk to people about, oh, my yoga teacher, they're like, oh, that's cool. I can never do that. You know, there was always a resistance. And I thought, what is that? So... My idea was to soften the yoga doors. I thought if they could get to know us through nutrition and music and art, then, um, then we could be more accessible for a yoga practice. Uh, so end up building this cafe, and I have some fun, interesting stories about obstacles with that. But just fast forward seven years now later, we have a yoga studio and a cafe that's really thriving, and um, it's all about community. To me, it's, it's a safe haven. And there was many obstacles that came along the way, but again, it was kind of that visionary thing, like this is what I feel that I'm here to do, and so I just kept moving forward with it. Um, spiraling to wellness, which is what we're going to talk about today, uh, came about because as I was growing my team at Nourishing Storm, um, you know, hiring different teachers and people, I thought, how great would it be if we're offering all of these things, such as classes, workshops, things in the juice bar, how great if we had one thing that connected us all together in terms of what we were sharing. So I thought of this idea about five years ago to offer universal themes. So themes like love, connection, beauty, trust, forgive. So every month for five years, we've had a theme. And so I never define what the theme is to my community or to my staff, really. I just say, okay, guys, we're going to go into forgive this month. And then there's the interpretation, and there's a practice, and there's tools. So what happened after our first year was we were gathering so many tools, I just started writing them down. So this uh, spiraling wellness essentially became the first 12 themes of Nourishing Storm. And the way that they all tied together was the healing principles of awareness, movement, and nutrition. So every chapter, there's you know these questions that we have to ask ourselves, like kind of to to go into that, whatever that frame is, say we're talking about love, there's questions that have to deal with love. Um, and then there's movement, like life is movement, this energy, we need to move. And so, you know, there's a movement practice in every single chapter, and then there's a nutrition piece. So I'm also a health coach, and a lot of people come to me about nutrition, and um, oftentimes it's bigger than that. You know, we all kind of like, I went to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition for my health coaching certification, and they, they call something primary foods, um, which is like love and relationships and all these things. And if you're really balanced out with that first part, then the nutrition part comes easy. But it is a big thing. I mean, we are what we eat. It's very important, and hence why I put the cafe in, is to make it really simple and accessible. Um, so 
we call the, the place the storm, and we call the work that we do here Spiraling to Wellness. Um, when it comes to transforming obstacles, um, what I thought I would share with you guys today is there's two chapters in the first book, and then there's two chapters in the second book that's about to come out, layer two. Uh, and I picked these themes very related to the idea of transforming obstacles. Um, so I thought what I'd do is just go over a few of them, and um, if you guys have your notebook, um, if there's anything that's resonating in terms of tools, write it down. You never know where it could take you. I always believe that sometimes we need to hear things a few times, but then sometimes it's like these ideas just click, and it's like, oh, there is something there. So hopefully you'll see some sparks along the way. Um, the first theme that we're going to dive into is clarity, and that was actually the very first theme that's ever written in this book. Uh, clarity is all about stillness and a clear mind, of course. Um, why I think clarity is so important to any health journey and to really any kind of obstacle that you're going through is the more clear you are about who you are and what you're here to serve, um, the less these obstacles seem to weigh. You know, sometimes um, there is another chapter that I have in the book on love, and there's something we do called relationship maps. And I bring relationships up is because oftentimes when I talk obstacles, relationships come up. Um, but relationship map is basically you put yourself at the center and you put all the people around you that make up your life. And then there's two numbers that you give them, two ratings. The first rating is how healthy is the relationship. And then the second rating is how, like, where are you guys, like, what, how important is that to you? So, for example, if you had someone who the relationship's not good, but it's really not a relationship that's, like, adding to your growth, then if we make this an obstacle, is this really energy that we need to put into it? So, I, you know, I bring that up because when we're really clear, we have more of an awareness around what takes up our mind space, how we should actually be shifting. Um, so... Some tools with clarity that I found to be super helpful. Um, vision boarding is something that I do every few months. And uh, I used to do it where I had a board and I glued pictures on, right? But what I was finding was as I was in alignment and flow, these things that I was putting up were happening really quickly. And so I was finding I had to do vision boards, you know, almost every two to three months. So now what I do is I get a cork board. And I start layering, you know. So if there's something that's really big that I really believe I want in my life, maybe I'm not ready for it yet, you know, then you can kind of layer it, which is pretty neat. So very firm believer in vision boarding, if you've never done that before. Um, goal setting is really cool. I mean, the way that I look at goal, goal setting in terms of finding clarity is, you know, um, a lot of us are teachers here, so it's kind of like having a vision. Say you're coming out of teacher training and you want to be teaching two to three classes per week, and you think that's that's kind of attainable. That's, And so you set a time frame for that, and then you put energy into that once you know what that is. But you wouldn't be like, okay, I'm graduating in a week, and I'm quitting my full-time job, and I'm teaching, you know. That's, that might be something that might not happen and you feel disappointed about it. So having that clarity and then the goal setting is really helpful, but also making it attainable. Um, meditation is huge. Natalie's going to be reading us a meditation in a bit that she wrote for me in the second book. Um, but I want to bring that up with clarity because uh, I can say for the past about six months, every single morning, I've, there's a few books I've been reading, um, and then I meditate, and then I also meditate at night, and I can tell you the clarity that I've had over the past few months has been unreal, and, and before that point, I really wasn't into a disciplined practice. I kind of just want to wake up and feel it out, but I can tell you that um, by having a solid morning practice and night practice, it's been super helpful. Um, and then the last part I just want to share with you about clarity is food journaling. Um, you know, that's the nutrition piece of this chapter. And the reason I bring it up is journaling with anything can bring up a lot of awareness. I mean, you write down things and sometimes they'll just pop off the paper. I find when we write them down, they don't take up the headspace. But when you food journal, it's really cool because, you know, I've had clients say to me, well, I don't know, I'm just tired all the time. Like, okay, well, let's dive into why. And then we discover, like, they just weren't getting enough protein during the day or they were waiting too long to eat. And then, you know, the decisions weren't so great because they were starving. So, you know, this is another tool that I find if you don't have the energy throughout the day uh, and will definitely bring a lot of clarity in your mind because nutrition is so key when it comes to mental clarity. 
So those are some tools for clarity. Some questions that I have for you guys, I call them in the book powerful questions. Um, the first question to think about when it comes to being really clear is what are two to three, three things that you're really passionate about? So taking a moment to just think about what they are or just writing that question down. And then once you're clear about that, what does your life look like when you're doing these things that you're passionate about? Like, do you have a vision? So say something that you're really passionate about is yoga. Well, what does your yoga practice look like in your life? What does it, what does it feel like? Um, oftentimes, we may think we want something, but if we can go into a more feeling state, so if you say, well, when I want a piece of something that I want to cultivate, I'm really clear about that. So what are some things that you can do to then be in a peaceful state? Uh, the next question, is what does success look like for you? And you can define success in any way that makes sense for you. We all are seeking something. And so if you can get really clear about what that looks like for you, it might translate to when you wake up in the morning, how do you want to feel? Where are you going? You know, in terms of work, is it is it an office setting? Is it outside? Um, is it working with a lot of people? Or maybe you're really independent and want to have a place to to work on these projects and these ideas. And I'll make sure in the notes that we have all the questions written down too. So if you miss anything or want to put energy into a certain question. Um, the, the last final question in terms of clarity that I have here is, um, what is one way that you would enjoy making a significant contribution to humanity? So we're going to start to move on. I know that it's a lot of why we call them powerful questions, PQs, is they're, they're meant to bring up a lot. So, um, you know, sometimes I just write down questions and then I come back to it later when I feel like I'm in a good space to go back. Um, the next part I want to move into another chapter in Spiraling of Wellness, which is very much having to do with transforming obstacles, which is the word of courage. So courage is facing your fears and taking the leap. So I want us to, before we dive into some tools on courage, I want you all to close your eyes for a moment. So if you're in a place where you can do that. <laughs> and I want you to think for a moment of the most courageous person that you know. And it could be, you know, someone that you've read about or, or someone that's, you know, active in your life. So what do they imbibe? Like, what, what's the energy that surrounds them? Can you imagine what they have been through to find their carriage? Can you kind of feel that? Or maybe you know their story and you know how they found their carriage.
Okay, so hold on to that, and you can start opening your eyes. Um, talking a bit on carriage, um, the definition of carriage is the ability to do something that frightens one, and also strength in the face of pain or grief. So talk about obstacles, right? You know, like something, whatever it is, I like to talk about, you know, obstacles being like mountains in front of us or storms, and it's like you can see it, and it's right there, but what's going to take you either up the mountain or through the storm? Um, so I, when carriage comes up, I think understanding fear is helpful. I think understanding like, why we have fear. Uh, on a good note, fear protects us. Uh, there's adventures that I go on sometimes, and I'm, I'm a woman that likes to travel on my own. And I can tell you, and I know me and Natalie have talked about this, you have to be cautious and, you know, it's like fear does protect us in these situations to make smart decisions. Um, so the other thing is like our bodies are equipped with like this energy that we need on call. If something was actually happening that the adrenaline could happen for us and we could get out of there. The issue is, and, and we've all heard this, is that we're all living in this fight or flight, so it's not really serving us when we don't need it. So it's creating a lot of stress in our lives. Uh, in the love chapter in Spiraling to Wellness, I talk about making a decision. Any decision in life is coming from love or fear. And it's good to ask yourself, you know, you know, say you're in a new relationship and you're like thinking about whether to move forward or not, and it's like, are you doing that because you're fearful that you're going to be alone? Or are you doing that because you have love to give? You know, and so these are questions. Um, and I think in, in terms of transforming obstacles, I think that's been a really huge defining thing in my life is that if I'm coming from love, then it seems to go really well. You know, it seems to flow. If I'm coming from fear, there will always be resistance and, and almost like more cleanup in the end. Um, I will tell you a quick story because I want to give you the tool of mantras to work with when it comes to carriage. So about two years ago, I went to Costa Rica. I was just working overtime for way too long. This was after the, the cafe was built, and uh, it took basically everything out of me, and I um, just was starting to feel a little unbalanced, so I booked a week away in Costa Rica to learn more about yoga. It was yoga, writing, Buddhism, dancing, all of my favorite subjects was all happening there. So I went away, balance was my theme. Um, at one point during the week, I was learning a lot. It was, it was a really beautiful week, but they gave us a little time off. So I thought, well, I wanna go paddle boarding. I mean, like, I love paddle boarding. So this guy that was leading the tours, he said, Kristen, I gotta tell you, it's a full moon. By the way, it's full moon tonight. It's full moon, the tide is really strong. Is, are you sure? Like, have you been out on a paddleboard a lot? You wanna do? I'm like, yeah, I paddleboard all the time. It's gonna be great. So he said, all right, come see me on Wednesday. We'll, we'll give it a try. So he takes me out, and it was beautiful, obviously. It's just this gorgeous setting. I really had not a lot of fear going into it. Um, but then at one point, he was like, all right, cool. I got you out here. I'm going to go back. You feel free to chill out here for a while. Just come back whenever you want. I'm like, okay, again, not worrying about it. Um, but at one point, I thought, okay, I should probably make my way back because the shore is seeming really far away at this point. So I start paddling, and I'm getting nowhere. And I'm paddling, and I'm getting nowhere. And the tide, it just, everything just kept taking me back. So I noticed some fear coming up. So I got on my hands and knees and started paddling. And I started saying the mantra, and the mantra was, I am brave, I am strong, I am confident. I am brave, I am strong, I am confident. And I must have said that at least 300 times. But what I was finding was, I mean, it was kind of like muscle memory. I, I knew I needed something and really quick because my fear just would have not given me the energy that I needed in this case to get back. So my mantra was huge for me. So I tell that story because, you know, mantras or, or sankopas are really powerful because what they do is they fill in that I am of what you already know and believe in yourself. I use it a lot in yoga classes, um, a lot of workshops, but I think that when it comes to finding courage, it can really pull up and help you remember stuff that may be on the surface that you're not remembering. 
So the last um, tool I want to give you in terms of carriage here is having a partner of confidence or accountability partner. Someone who you can say, hey, this is something I'm working through. I have a project and, or I'm trying to get that job. And can you check in with me in a week? Can we talk about that? Because the thing is, you're not going to go to that meeting with your friend or spouse or coach or whoever it is not showing up and doing the work. I mean, that's the whole role of accountability partners. So... You know, we could say, I want to do all these things in life, but without, like, really putting them out there and having someone check in with you, we tend to just get, life gets busy. So, yes, courage if you're working through someone, find someone. It, it's a huge on accountability and also integrity, which is, like, doing what you say you're going to do, really having that be a defining characteristic. Um, this is from the book. This is just uh, Cultivate Power in the Unknown, Open Your Heart and Mind to New Possibilities, Become Clear on where you want to go and surround yourself with like-minded people. Your journaling question for carriage is, what would you attempt to do if you knew you could not fail? So failure is not an option. And I think it's uh, really clear when you're thinking about this or really helpful to think like, um, you know, if you want to do really passionate work that's going to change people's lives or, or whatever you want to do, like be really clear about kind of like what the work is rather than the details. Because sometimes the details change and we think we're not getting that job and I, that's the job I wanted and we get really laser focused on that. But then another beautiful opportunity comes up. And so really kind of believing and trusting that if I'm here to help people like, and I'm focused and I'm working towards that and clear, that just trust that that's going to happen. Um, all right, so we are moving now to the second, the last two that we're going to go over today. Uh, and these are in the new book, Spiraling Wellness 2. The first... Uh, theme of this book that I want to discuss in terms of obstacles is persistence. And so the best way out is always through Robert Frost. It's one of my favorite quotes. Um, persistence, continuance in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. And um, you know, this is, this is something that I want to actually read um, from the book for you guys. This is the persistence piece um, I found to be really powerful was um, actually, it was about a year ago, I was, I've been teaching yoga for a really long time, but I, I was finding some roadblocks in terms of being this teacher that I wanted to be. And... Um, so there was this opportunity. I was I was going to Connecticut for work to open a juice bar, and my son was going to meet me, and we were going to go up to Maine for for a trip. And uh, I remember just randomly opening up an email or something, and I saw that Sean Corn was going to be in Connecticut for the Yoga Awakening, and it was going to be five minutes from where I was staying. It's unbelievable. So I booked a day early, and I went. I knew I needed to be there. She was someone that I always wanted to study with, and I just, I read a lot about her. I always really admire what she was doing, but there was a deeper meaning. I just, I knew I had to be there. So I get to this workshop. I don't know, there's probably like 100, 200 people in the room. She gathers us in a circle and starts talking about this idea of persistence, which was so perfect because here I was after teaching yoga for so long and investing in the studio and loving it, but there was just something that just felt a little off. Um, but what she talked about was like staying with it. And um, when she, when we actually got into the asana part of the practice, she talked about like she had us hold poses for a really long time to the point that it was almost uncomfortable. But that was the point of it. It was like we're moving so quick in life and we're moving through things because they're uncomfortable. But what if you just stayed with it? You know, lean into it versus, oh, that's uncomfortable, so I'm going to go over here. And that's what I felt exactly I was doing in life. And so that was really helpful and transformative. Um, so this was kind of that short bit that I'm going to read to you from, from the book. What I found at this workshop created the shift I was looking for. Shama has so beautifully made us hold the poses. As emotions, i.e. energy, came up, we were asked to just be with it all to see how long we could be present and persist in doing this work. When we move our bodies, as in a yoga practice, energy moves and things come to the surface, things that we've pressed down for a very long time. 
We no longer have the option of pushing them down. We need to let them come up so we can process and release, and this takes persistence. Um, she also really brought up there's nothing easy about this work we're doing as, as showing up and really diving deep into what's going on and these obstacles that we're going through. You know, the more the, it's almost like the closer we get to them, the more difficult it's going to be. And the, so the strength that we get, gather along the way is just so important. And having the support and tools is, is really essential. Um, I want to offer you Mountain Pose. Mountain Pose is a huge defining uh, posture in the new book. It's actually on the cover. It's it's a little yogi that my friend Kate, she illustrated the book. It's really beautiful, but she made these little yogi guys with leaf heads, and he's just standing there in mountain pose in front of a mountain. Um, you know, Rolf Gates, he, I went to a workshop of his, and he talks about how we stand in Tadasana is how we stand in life. You know, Tadasana is like a powerful pose. It's like I was just, uh, we were talking about like before job interviews or, or going into anything that you really feel nervous about, really taking a powerful stance and physically feeling it in your body. And I think that's why a lot of the reasons why asana is so powerful is because we feel it, we feel the strength. And so why not use these postures before we go into these like really challenging situations? Uh, so I offer you up mountain pose and, um, and with that, um, Natalie, do you want to read your meditation? I'll just close with that. Okay. All right, so Natalie actually wrote a meditation for me um, called Channel Energy in this book. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be really cool to listen to that. Um, and... I guess the question here, I don't have one written down, but like what's coming to mind now about persistence is what in your life right now do you feel like you need to be persistent in? Like, is there anything that you kind of are, oh, I'll do that later? And has there been a time in your life that you have persisted with something where it's really paid off, you know? Like where you really just stuck with something long enough to see that rainbow on the other side or get to the top of the mountain and see the view, you know, where you just, maybe it's like education that you've invested in or um, having a difficult conversation with someone and really feeling that shift happen. So shifting now to resilience, and resilience is um, the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties, toughness, the ability of a substance or object to spring back into shape, elasticity. Um, Buddha says, my dharma is swimming upstream. So I'm going to tell you uh, one more story here. Actually, I have, I have two quick stories. But the one story is, is whenever I think of resilience and why I think of resilience is it was actually while this story was unfolding, our theme of the month was resilience. And it was funny because up to that point, it was like love and connection and peace and all these beautiful things. And then I just like threw in resist, er, resilience. And uh, my massage therapist, Nikki, who helps me write about these themes, and she's just... Um, a really powerful force at the studio, but she came up to me one day and said, you know, you did pick this theme. It's, you, you picked it. Like, you, you chose this. I was like, oh. But anyway, what happened was I, I, I started to tell you about how I opened this cafe. And uh, so the excitement was there. I was building, and it came down to grand opening was the next day. So the invitations were sent out. Everything was ordered. I had my staff in place. Everything was feeling good. So I get a phone call from the fire marshal, and he said, um, 
I think we have a problem. Um, do, do you have uh, do you have some paperwork on uh, how many people that you can have in the space? And I didn't know what he was talking about. And uh, he said, "Well, it, there's a cha there's a change of use, so you know I don't think you can have chairs in your in your cafe." And so to this point, for months, I was that person who was at their office every morning. Hi, I filled out the paperwork. Okay, are we good? You know, going down their checklist, like doing everything right. And then he just was throwing this, um, well, it's a change of use. You don't really have the parking spots needed to have chairs, so sorry. So the whole point in having a cafe was to have people sit down and gather. It kind of was a bummer. Um, so upon getting that phone call, I did what anybody else might have done, but I just walked away and started crying, and I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I called a best friend who's been through similar situations, and um, I just kind of sat with it and uh, then decided I was, I was going to fight for this, and I was going to fight for my cafe. I believed in it. I wasn't going to um, give up. But... The biggest part of that was it took a few weeks and a lot of money and a big court case to deal with all this. Um, I did a PowerPoint point presentation on why parking wouldn't be an issue. I presented to the town basically, um, I get why you're saying this, but here's my business model and here's the plan and it's going to be okay. So what you're doing is basically you're applying for a variance and an exception. So the day comes I have to go present my court case and uh, my son Liam at the time he was uh, he was probably about nine or so he was watching me get ready and and he was like mom are you okay and I was like I'm, I'm okay buddy I'm just trying to you know get ready uh, and he he said well I'll, can I come with you so I thought okay great that would be amazing I'd love to have you with me so he came and he asked me for a piece of paper and pencil when we were in there because there was a few court cases going on I thought okay that'll just distract him that's fine so I get up to present, and he comes up and sits right next to me. And, you know, I'm presenting, and I, I happened to look over at one point, and he was making me a sign, and it said, Go Nourishing Storm, and it had all these characters and these high fives, and it just... And I, it, it suddenly occurred to me that it had nothing to do with the chairs. It had nothing to do... This whole, like, stressful time period had nothing to do with the details of what was happening. It was like this little guy who he had every right in the world to not support this because it took away from, I was not home a lot at the time. I was trying to build a cafe, right? And he was the one who was suffering from this. And yet he was my biggest fan. He was my biggest cheerleader. So, you know, I kind of say the story because, you know, then things started to flow. Like a week later, they, everyone on the board called me and told me how great a presentation it was. And of course, we're going to give you the variance. And no worries. It's not a big deal. And... You know, and so this big mecca obstacle that I had just softened once I learned the lesson of what this whole thing was really about. Um, so I'm going to turn it over to you guys um, and ask you to start journaling about a time in your life that you were pushed to your edge. You know, like this, just this obstacle came up and you had no idea at the moment how to face it. And it really could be anything. It could be something happening now. It could be something that already happened. So in this situation, what fueled you? What kept you going? And if it's happening now, if you're, you're kind of current day thinking about this, think about what, what can keep you going in this situation? What can give you the energy to keep moving forward? Even if you kind of see doors are being put up or, or whatever, you don't see that that's something that you can move through.
And then I think most importantly, um, one of the biggest takeaways that I want you to have from all of this is really having a vision for for something on the other side of it. Because again, I don't think it's always about the details of what's happening, it's more about how we're handling it. You know, at Nourishing Storm, we talk about dancing in the rain. That's like our big quote, it's like, we're learning to dance in the rain, you know? And um, so we can't always stop these things from happening to us. I think they happen and they, they build character and they build strength and we inspire people along the way as we keep moving forward, of course, but like, do we have a vision of ourselves moving into a direction that we feel needs to go. I think having a really open heart is is a key and also having a clear vision for this is big. Um, you know, when I was in Costa Rica, uh, there was an opportunity to go one morning to see the baby turtles hatch and to make their way to the water. And it was a really powerful experience because people were trying to pick up the turtles and put them in the water because they were thinking, oh, they're struggling, I should help them. And so the locals were actually stopping them and saying, no, 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 you can't do that. If they don't gather the strength to get to the water, there's no way they can face the waves once they're there. You know, and that was like a big turning point for me as well because it was like, you know, sometimes we think we're helping other people or we're helping a situation. But really, in this case, we just had to hold space. You know, we just had to kind of like direct if they were... And that they let us do that is kind of help direct the turtles a little bit. Um, but when we got back from this experience that we were talking about with Joan Halifax, she's a, a Buddhist teacher, and you know she was talking about how um, turtles have soft front, hard back. You know, and then we kind of got into this discussion, which is kind of this idea of going into situations with a really open heart, but then like really having that back to push us forward. And so, you know, that last question that I asked about, like, you know, how can we go in more loving and more open in whatever these situations are? Uh, so final notes uh, before Natalie uh, reads the meditation would just be to, um, in terms of transformation, get support you need. Like you don't have to do any of this alone. For a while, I thought I had to do a lot on my own. And what I was really doing was, um, I don't know what I was doing. I was kind of putting myself apart from people that I loved. And so I think really finding the support that you need in any situation, partner of confidence, accountability partner, whatever you want to call it, find that clarity that you need in life, you know, that's really going to create strong foundation for you to know what matters, you know, in terms of energy to put things into. Um, write it down. Journaling can be so powerful. I mean, Spiraling Wellness, we ask questions. You're supposed to get your book really messy. That's the whole point. Um, but really any journal that you have, just kind of like ask yourself if what you're going through is it true is it love or fear you know what's happening really call yourself out on it and I think along the way what that helps you do is create a roadmap. Um, so that's what I have to share with you today you know just really um, encourage you to be authentic and courageous and true to yourself and um, plant your seeds all your ideas that you have just kind of keep planting and keep moving forward and uh, I know you all have so much beautiful light and love to share, so I think it's going to be an exciting ride. <laughs> so, yeah, we're good. We're great with time. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. Um, I think what we're going to do here right now is just open for Q&A, and we can both kind of hop on these questions if there's any, and then we, I will close today's whole day practice with uh, the meditation I wrote for Kristen's second book, which is really great. And so um, is there anybody, and what, if you guys can just come over here and we'll pass you the mic and you can speak to the mic. Is there any anything, whichever one of those themes that we covered today, that Kristen covered, is there anything that came up for someone that you would like to share? Sometimes when you're sharing things, it helps other people as well because many of us have the same feelings about things, and we also have listeners on Life on Earth podcasts. So is there anything that you feel like would be beneficial that someone wants to share? <laughs> no? 
You good, the group? Okay, so I have something to, um, to bring up from what you were talking about. I love when you when you mentioned that you went to that workshop with Sean Korn. You guys were holding the the even though it was a vinyasa flow class, and you were holding the poses for quite a while. And she was talking about persistence. Um, and let me see, Kristen, if I, I made some notes of what you said about staying with the discomfort and the need to come up. Uh, the need, oh yeah, if you have anything that's discomfort, you know, in yourself or your body, it might come up. And it's important that it does come up so that it can be released, you know. And so I find that really kind of awesome. And I love that you brought that up in the context of yoga. Because the the this is a teacher training that we are right now. And there might be many listeners listening to this who either practice yoga or teach yoga, the yoga mat is always a mirror. There's one thing, you know, I've been practicing yoga for over 20 years, and one thing I have really, really come to understand on a deep level is that the yoga practice is a mirror to your life. What's happening on the mat is really very similar to how we react off the mat. And there's a very big parallel going on. So... A lot of times we avoid, as we move through our yoga postures, we avoid places of discomfort. And what that might look like is that you don't put the yoga block at a certain height or that, or that you, you know, or that you always go with your hands on the floor or that you, what that might look like is that you actually will pick a modification of that pose that's, that's not something that it's actually what you need but you're going for what feels, quote unquote, feels good. You know, it's like that Rolling Stones song. We can't always get what you, well, how, how does it go? Say it. Wait, say it. You can't always get what you want. Say it again. You can't always get what you want. But? But you get what you need. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that was Carly, you guys. So, um, yeah, and so, you know, with the poses, we tend to do that a lot. And as a teacher, I see that in my students a lot, whether it's because you're going too deep in a yoga pose or, we or whether it's because you're not going too deep and you're actually avoiding something. Either way, you're avoiding something. And so the curiosity and the inquiry of this practice is, what, how, you know, how can I go through this yoga practice? How can I go through this soul evolution on and off the mat by going into places of discomfort and perhaps staying with that place. Maybe I'm going to change something in my practice today. I'm not going to do what I usually do. You know, I'm not going to do my go-to every single time, which is why the past few years, as I have come into a deeper understanding of this, I'm always sort of shifting a little bit my practice. And what that might very practically look like is I'm going to grab a belt when I usually don't. I'm going to not grab a belt when I usually do. And so by changing these little nuances of the practice, I am literally pressing into little different energetic buttons. And what that does is that it throws my body and my energy field, body, mind, spirit, my subtle body and my physical body a little off. And what that does is that it opens space and an opportunity for things to be released and for transformation. And that's, that's really, to me, yoga is a practice of inquiry, right? It's a practice of exploration and it's a practice of radical acceptance for where you are and who you are each and every moment. And so, and that's the beauty and that's the curiosity and that's what I'm interested in, not only as a teacher, but also as a practitioner. You know, how much is that practice going to inform me? And, and so, and, and, and vice versa. And so I love that because sometimes uh, what I have been noticing, you know, and this could literally, could, everything that we always say is just your own perspective. So obviously this is my own you know, I'm sharing from my own perspective, but what I have been noticing as I go to a lot of yoga studios, particularly flow yoga, is that we're moving too fast, you know, like inhale, arms up, exhale down and jump back and this, and now we're in triangle. Now let's move into the next pose. It's kind of like this idea, like how much can I, how much poses can I put or how much can I do here? Because that equals better. You know what I mean? When in reality, less is more. I mean, the less is more in so many different 
uh, things a- apart from yoga is so true, you know, for so many different things uh, at a certain time. So what I'm going to, and this is why I wanted to touch on this, because I know there's a lot of people um, tuning in as well, and many of my co- uh, friends, yoga teachers, is that I'm going to invite yoga teachers to pay attention to that, flow yoga teachers in particular, vinyasa flow, and notice, are you adding all these poses because you want more, 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 more. We already live in a world that's like, you know, I want the better house. I want the better car. I want, it's like always more. So how about this? How about, you know, we take a step back, we pay a little more attention to our sequences, which is really what's creating the lines of energy, the breath, the flow. And maybe, just maybe, you offer a few less poses you hold them for a little longer, as you brought up. And by doing that, the theme that you used was persistence, which I loved. So you stay with your breath. You stay with the discomfort. You know, if you usually hold a pose for five breaths, try 10 breaths. Try 15 breaths, you know. See how that feels. And um, approach, you know, just even if you're like, ah, oh, maybe not, try it out. You know, try it out. See how it feels. I mean, I love music, obviously. I think music is amazing. I used to be a dancer, too, and I know there's a lot of us that are musicians even that teach yoga and are musicians. That's beautiful. But a music, too, you know, sometimes it can be that monkey mind. It can be even more adding more to the practice, the chitta vritti kind of thing that Patanjali talks about. So if we sometimes, if you do teach with music, like me, I like music, too. Let's invite ourselves to not teach with music, music sometimes, you know. I can't tell you guys how many yoga classes that I have gone lately because I've been exploring a lot of classes because I love practicing. And I love practicing with the group in community and in yoga studios that the music is super loud. It's a lot of music. It's like one after the other. It's one pose after the other. You know, when I'm just trying to actually find my alignment, we're already like two poses past. Vinyasa flow, flow yoga. So, you know, it's kind of like, okay, what's going on here? That's great. When I leave that class, I feel great. I get the yoga glow. You know, I feel good. My body probably got strength and flexibility. That's awesome. And I definitely sweated a lot. But I'm coming to yoga. I'm looking for something more than that. Okay. And that's where it gets interesting. So the type of inquiry and the type of um, themes that Kristen has brought up and her books very much clarify them and you can go into it and journal and stuff. And as you said, meditation journaling really kind of, this is for people who are interested in soul evolution. You know, I mean, if that's not you and you're listening, then that's fine. I mean, that it is what it is. Now, most of us who are, if you're in a yoga class and if you're in a yoga teacher training, I'm going to just assume that you're interested in soul evolution. I mean, that's just kind of a given, you know, but um, but basically, you know, these these so I'm just going to say, OK, let's just take a look at what we're doing to our classes and our students. And what are we providing when we're holding space for people? For me, yoga, I want I want to actually go into these e- deeper areas. I want to find the discomfort. I want to transcend. This is what I'm here for in this planet, in this earth plane. And that's why I love your books and I love all these themes, the courage and everything. But we can find that through our practice. You know? Yeah, I always say with students, um, everything we're practicing on the mat is for everything that's off the mat. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I see new students start. They tell me their stories. They're coming in. I'm, I get a lot of women who are, they, you know, their kids just went to college and they're just now taking care of themselves, you know, in terms of spending the time that it's needed. And within two weeks, they're in tears about the transformation that's happening very quickly within because they're starting to listen and they're starting to identify what they may need to shift in their life. And now they have a support system, you know, like, and it happens very quickly if you allow it. But I also tell people, like, if they're just starting out yoga, you know, if you're coming in for physical practice, obviously you're going to get it. But there's there's so much more available if you're open to it because the lessons happen on the mat and they happen for everything else that you're going. There's no mistake about what your teacher's saying or what you're feeling when you're doing certain postures or breathing or what comes up in meditation. It all, just one big circle, you know, and... Yeah. 
But I find that the stronger I feel physically, the stronger I feel mentally. I mean, there's just a correlation with that. So I practice to feel, and then when I can go into a situation that's, you know, really challenging, I just... There's, it, there's, it comes from a feeling within me that I can then gather the strength and maybe have that hard conversation or, or maybe let go of something that I need to let go of because I've practiced it. And there's, so there's no mistake we call it a practice. You know, it's, it all relates. Yeah, and as you do that in that kind of, um, you know, in this kind of exploration that um, I know many of you are in it and do it and can see, you will see transformation in your life. Yeah. And you will see um, that not only that you're going to transform your environment is gonna, maybe the way you look at your environment is just not going to be the same. You're going to feel the differences, and it's not always easy. You know, it's necessary, but not always easy because there will be people who are not going to belong in your life any longer, and you need to be okay with that. You need to let them go. Because, you know, you can't force people to evolve at the same pace, whether you're slow or you're, adva- or you're too fast or whatever it is. We're each on our own journey. You can't force anyone to be exactly like you. You know what I mean? Because there's only you. I'm only me. You're only you. You're only you. So we have to allow people to also have their own soul journey, their own soul evolution. And there might be a point that, you know, somebody that has what was in your life for a really long time, might, you might still love them, but you also maybe not going to want to be around them anymore. Where they just, they're, you, you guys are vibrating on a very different frequency. That's like very normal. I see them. What I, what I think is interesting is that we have this attachment. You know, we want all this stuff, soul evolution and stuff. But then we want, we also have this attachment of like, Oh, and I also can't let go of whatever it is that I know to be me, my past, the people, the friends, the fa- you know what I mean? And it's like we have, this is why the yogi says practice of yoga is, you know, you have to practice detachment. There's a certain level of like, you know, you're evolving, people are evolving at their own pace. Life is moving. It's flowing. It's, that's being in the flow. You know, that's, which, by the way, I just want to, say one more thing that when we were talking about flowing the uh the speed of these classes um sometimes I wonder if it's like because it's called flow yoga you know what I mean flow yoga vinyasa flow it's I wonder if that's kind of what's happening that it means like oh this is like a dance this is like a move lets you do a lot well actually I have come to a, a finding that was a very like internal discovery that I've had that actually the flow the real flow happens in stillness Mm -hmm. you know what I mean so um it has nothing to do the name vinyasa flow has not yes flow vinyasa means movement linked to breath so literally if you say inhale arms up exhale arms down that is a flow but the flow does not mean it needs to be fast or more poses it has nothing to do with that in fact Today, when we were doing our physical uh, asana workshop, I got everybody. So if you're listening in Warrior 2 as an example, and as, you know, you you get everyone in Warrior 2, I invited people to breathe, to stay with the inhalations and the exhalations. And by creating that steadiness of your physical body and the drishti, the gaze, you really kind of go into the state, inward state, which in yoga we call pratyahara. And as you're breathing, that is the flow. The flow is the inhalations and the exhalations. The flow, uh, the flow is these things on our subtle body that are coming up, energy blocks that are now, you know, through the breath going to be released as a gateway so they can continue, you know, to flow so that you can then create more flow in your own body. You can be in the flow and when you're in Tadasana, mountain pose. And that is the flow that we're looking for. You know what I mean? That's, that's, that's kind of that deep, deeper layer. It has nothing to do with like how much do I move or how many poses can I fit in an hour class. Nothing. That means nothing. Now, if you want to fit a bunch of poses and that feels authentic and, you know, you have the right alignment and you, have, you feel like you're there, you got time to think about all that alignment and stuff in one hour and you want to put 50 poses then go for it 
But most of us, the reality is that that's going to become a distraction. So I just wanted to throw that out there because it's something I've been observing a lot. So yeah, and I think thanks it, for me, letting me share. I think it leads great to meditation um, because I can tell you that um, I moved from a very heavy asana practice to now most of my yoga practice is in stillness and meditation. And it's just because of where I am at my life and what I need right now. But it's it's been the hardest kind of practice because you have to sit with it all because things come up in meditation. And But the trust that you, you know the answers from within, you just have to listen. And, you know, I get students that come to meditation all the time and they say, I just can't do it because my mind's going a million miles. Okay, but so that's why we have this practice and we learn how to slow it down and we learn how to listen and to trust ourselves. And hard stuff is going to come up, but the more and more we do it, we're going to find that it's actually not as hard as probably in our minds we made it up to be because we've been avoiding it for so long. So when we learn to sit with it and really get clear about what's happening, then, I mean, my best ideas in any obstacle always come up in a meditation, my most creative ideas. And it's like, it's the craziest thing because I try to use my mind to work through these things. And, and oftentimes I come into roadblocks, but then when I come into meditation and just sit with it, something comes through and I'm like, oh gosh, yes, that's exactly what would be helpful in this situation. And that was a rev like exactly to your point of what you're saying, that was a revelation for me. I thought I had, had to speed through life and to do things like powerful to like figure stuff out. And it was actually when I softened and when I stepped back on having to know the answer that things actually started making sense and coming through. So in my own story, but and it, it's something that I do believe that is, is possible if we're willing to kind of slow everything down and lean into it. That's beautiful. Well, thanks, everyone. And yes, let's meditate. <laughs> thanks so much for listening to Life on Earth podcast. I hope you enjoyed this training session with uh, Shanti Yoga Training School and with our beloved guest, Kristen Ritter. Get her book, Spiraling to Wellness uh, Layer 1, and as well as Spiraling to Wellness Layer 2. Her book is available on Amazon and also on lulu.com. I highly recommend. It's a very interactive book. There is lots for you to do, to journal, uh, to participate, meditations, and lots of uh, little exercises and practices suggested by Kristen. And if you... Um, if it's available to you, visit her Nourishing Storm Studio and Cafe in Pennsylvania. If you're traveling by or if you live around the area, make a special trip and go say hi to Kristen in person. Thank you so much. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts. Review. Thank you, guys. If you want the healing technique, the awareness uh, meditation that I have recorded, the one that's on page 70 of Kristen's second book, go to show notes and you will find a link for you to grab that as a bonus and as a gift all right i'll see you soon wherever you are have an amazing day <laughs> <laughs>